Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Bundesliga for Beginners. I'm your host, Jamie Smith, and joining me are my co-host, Kevin DeVries, who you'll know from the EPL Roundtable podcast. That's on the same channel we're on. Jim Knight is back as well as our Bundesliga expert, in inverted commas, John McKenzie. We'll kick things off with the Friday night game this week. Freiburg against Leverkusen, another intrapod derby. Kev kicks off with this one. Yeah, so obviously the mighty Leverkusen, uh, all three of their matches that I've watched, we've won. So uh, (laughs) as you guys kind of alluded to on the last show, uh, the one that I didn't see didn't happen in general. So three for three (laughs) is what the Leverkusen lads have been with me. Uh, It was obviously a very, very tight affair. I thought Leverkusen probably deserved the lead um, after the first half, but, but... in the second half, Freiburg were really pushing towards the end there, and I think Leverkusen were lucky to hang on to the 1-0 win. It, it was pretty level um, on balance, just the one moment of Havertz just toe-poking it past everybody for the goal is really all that ended up separating the teams on the scoreline. But yeah, it, it was my first time seeing Freiburg. It did give me, uh, I know we talked a few weeks ago about them kind of being a uh, Burnley analog. I did get flashbacks to, to that kind of play style, and much like uh, Burnley, sorry, Jamie, uh, there will be a couple of chances. And if Barnes or uh, Chris Wood get on the end of it, then you tend to draw or win. And if they don't, then you end up losing. I, I think that that's kind of what happened to Freiburg, is they did have a couple of chances, and just neither of them settled, and, and uh, obviously Havertz did. Yeah, it's an interesting one for me. I um I was a little bit nervous when I saw the team sheets and I saw that Freiburg were were lining up in a four four two, which is what they'd uh, played uh, against Frankfurt the, the the week before, and it hadn't been particularly good. Um, it was a bit too rigid for my liking, um, and obviously we'd seen a couple of defensive errors from Robin Koch and uh, and and others to to give up that three one lead that they had midweek. Um, so it was quite. I was quite pleased to see Robin Koch go into the midfield area. I thought he really made the difference. They didn't look quite so um, sort of obvious. Maybe they 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 um, they were just too structured. I thought in the in the midweek game, and I thought actually did a really good job against um, against Leverkusen. And uh, I think that shows up well in the stats. I, I pointed out mid, midweek that. Um, Against Frankfurt, they'd have given up um, 28 box shots, so 28 shots inside the box, and then they only allowed up um, six box shots against uh, Leverkusen. And I think against a, a team of Leverkusen's uh, capacity and uh, obvious um, uh, talent in in going forward, I think that's a really good turnout for the book. So, in many respects, it was one of those games where you know I think I could see why Christian Streich, the manager, was angry at the end because it was it was one where he'd done everything that he set out to do, uh, and they'd created a couple of. Deep Decent chances. I think if you looked at the XG overall, um, Freiburg actually were ahead, but it was very, it was very low um, XG scoring goal game anyway. But I think he'd done what he sets out to do, which is uh, stop the other team from having good chances and then try and uh, grab a couple of your own. And uh, had Hurler scored that that 
chance in the first half. I think they they might have uh, done their best to hold on. But yeah, it was a good a good game. It was a it was an entertaining. I think for for the fans, but just because, like you said, it was a tight affair. It was it felt a, a bit like a chess game at times. But um, I think most people will probably have have given up before the the end. So, but yeah, good good to to see a, a, um Freiburg playing so well against the team right at the top of the table. I was wondering, do I get something for winning both Intrapod derbies? Because I think, well, I guess you guys have the one left, but neither of you can catch up to me. So do I win the podcast or? You get to produce the podcast for the rest of the season. <laughs> and edit. And edit. Even when I'm not on, I get left out and then I still have to do the work afterwards. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Kai Havertz, the main man again then, Jim. It was no surprise to see Bayern talking about trying to sign him this weekend. Anyone who's any good in the Bundesliga, Bayern is like, what have him? Yeah, John's talked about the uh, the preference for Bayern of, of not only reducing the opposition's chances of winning the uh, Bundesliga through buying their own players, but looking to that as their their source of uh, recruitment as well. Yeah, have a, it was a very, very good finish, actually, I thought. it's. I think the keeper might be a little bit disappointed just because it goes kind of through him a little bit. But he. I think that's what told in the end. As, as John mentioned, Freiburg actually created the better chances um, across the game as a whole. Granted, there weren't a whole lot of them. Um, but I think Havertz just showed what he's all about and just continued this amazing run. I know he didn't score in, in midweek against Wolfsburg, but... You know he's back on the score sheet now, and that's that's what two, four, seven goals in five games. Um, his last five league games, which is, or his last five games in all competitions, is which is you know really amazing going. And considering he made a relatively slow start to the season, now to burn into double figures, and if he can carry that on to the end of the season, he's um, he he could well be you know top of Bayern's. We talked about him being top of someone's. Uh, scouting list for the end of the season whenever that may be but it, he would he would very much kind of be the kind of profile I guess of a player that Bayern might look to bring in a, a young prospect um, with with a German background and you know I don't I guess they've still got Lewandowski who, who would lead the line there John but do you think he'd be a he'd be a, a potential transfer target for, for Bayern yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, it does follow the profile, as you've said, the, the, of what they do, which is pick up the pick up the talent in the in the league, and uh, not only does that strengthen them, but it weakens their opponents. Um, I guess, I guess the interesting question would be whether or not Kai Havertz would 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 want to go to Bayern. Um, like you said, you know, Lewandowski is coming to the end of his career, but you have a similar sort of situation there as you have with. Uh, um, Alec Newbel going to to buy and, and to replace Manuel Neuer kind of think well yeah you, you're going to take that route if you feel as though you might have a trajectory into the the Bayern team but if you don't feel as though you're going to make it in there um will, will that change things I suppose Havertz um can play elsewhere is quite flexible um but that team at the moment at Bayern does it just seem quite uh, settled it just seems as though they've they've got um a first team sort of ironed out for the, for the next couple of seasons at least and not to overly defend a player on my beloved Leverkusen, but uh, their manager did say that he thought it was unlikely that Havertz would be leaving Leverkusen uh, this summer, in air quotes, because who knows when the coming transfer window will actually happen. That's got to be taken into account. I think financially as well, Bayern obviously are the financial powerhouse of the Bundesliga, but traditionally they don't spend massive fees, do they? They spent a lot of money on Lucas Hernandez, but that was a bit of an outlier that try and get people in for good value and it seems like Leroy Sané is maybe going to be the 
the priority for them in the next transfer window, whenever that is. Um, move on from Bayer Keverkusen. Now, I'm talking about Kazbat, so I can do my terrible, <laughs> terrible club name pun. Um, Borussia Mönchengladbach also winners this weekend, Jim. 4-1 at home to Union Berlin. And the strike pairing of Tram and Plia, again, extremely impressive. Yeah, um, he. I think I was impressed with Much and Gladback because they seem to kind of take the game to Union more than we've seen um, them do recently. Like they are a very attacking side, but they just kind of seem to be um, more. I don't know. They had more intent today, and like having Taram and player up front. Um, just kind of caused no end of, of havoc, really. And they never really looked in any trouble. They kind of were 1-0 up um, within 20 minutes or so. A nice precision finish from Niehaus and, um, or Norhaus, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, Taram and Player kind of took over. Um, player being the provider for Taram's first goal and his second goal, actually. Um, and, it, I mean, Taram, I guess he's one of the kind of standout players since... Um, since the the Bundesliga came back, because he's just hit, he's just straight into his stride, um, and it, it just looks an absolute monster in front of goal. So he's another prospect, I guess, that we should be keeping an eye on. Again, I'm not fully au fait with the um, potential transfer dealings around much in Gladbach, but he, he would certainly be a kind of player that were, I guess was on people's radar. Yeah, and then player managed to get on the score sheet himself, um, albeit a kind of like a. I'm not sure he definitely meant to put the ball where he did. He just kind of swung his leg at it. And I thought it might have hit his standing leg at one point, actually, on the first look. But I think he made a pretty clean connection and, and buried it in the bottom corner. Um, Union f- threatened to mount a comeback, I'd say, just after half time. Managed to come out of the traps a little bit quicker in the second half and get one back. But yeah, then it just seemed like Mush and Gladbach decided to put their foot on the accelerator a little bit more, got a goal back again within 10 minutes, and they never really looked in too much danger. So quite an impressive performance, and obviously back up to third in the league before um, RB Leipzig play um, to, to round off the match day. So still very much in the hunt for those um, Champions League places, and I guess depending on how Dortmund fare as well, they, they could be second place up for grabs potentially if, if Leipzig keep dropping points and Dortmund um, take their eyes off the prize at any point. Yeah, back to winning ways after a couple of um, a couple of poor results. Glad, but you could say they were glad to be back to to winning ways. I wouldn't Good. say that obviously because no. rubbish. <laughs> John, what was your take on this one? Yeah, really, really exciting game. I thought um, in in a lot of respects, it was nice to see Lars Stindl back. I thought he was really quite creative in the middle. They played a, a sort of four four two with a diamond, um, and he, I thought I just it was great seeing him back because he he's obviously had that disappointment with playing for the, the the German national team and everyone expecting him to to go on and be big, but then um, sort of hitting a few injury worries for for a while, and then obviously Neuhaus behind him. I, I just think that that was a lovely formation. It worked really well. Um, the front two up front were it was almost like a throwback to a sort of 90s football having having two strikers like that but great to see um yeah great to see Gladbach just going through the French markets and picking up talent there and it it, it translating quite well into the Bundesliga I thought certainly seems to be working out for them the flip side though Kev Union we've seen poor at the back since the resumption and again really just unable to cope with Gladbach they're really in that relegation picture yeah, I had heard some about um, Union before the season restarted and how they were kind of a, a hipster pick. And then, of course, we learned from John before the Berlin Derby. And it was like, oh, interesting. Maybe they'll kind of 
be an interesting plot line through the season, but it seems they just continue to tumble down and, and put in poor performance after poor performance. Uh, Jim, I think you popped in with a stat in the chat earlier today. Uh, on aggregate, since the restart, they've conceded 11 and scored just two goals. Not particularly ideal. Pretty embarrassing for Gladbach, if you ask me, that they conceded. But, um, <laughs> yeah, they, they just... That's the Gladbach way. They don't keep clean sheets, win, lose, or draw. They don't keep clean sheets. If they're going to win, it has to be to one or to two rather than a clean sheet. <laughs> if you go to the team hotel, it's just sloppy beds everywhere. No clean sheets. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so pretty, pretty disappointed to, to not see uh, a better effort from Union Berlin. But I... I guess this is a question that's better answered by John. Are, are they just not this good, or has this been more of a development post-postponement? Uh, post yeah, we'll just go with that. I think it's fair to say, for, for uh, to answer this question pro- properly, it, it, it's fair to talk about the average player annual salary in the Bundesliga. Um, so the, the annual salary this season in dollars ranges from $8 million per player at Bayern Munich down to $400,000 per player at Paderborn. And Union Berlin are the second from bottom there. So their players are on six hundred, just just under $700,000 a year. And it's uh, it's just a huge... Uh, when you look at the discrepancy between the top and the bottom, it's just it's, it's just a huge gulf. And um, I think it's, it's perhaps unfair to expect a team who are pulling like an average wage, which is much closer to the championship than the Premier League, to, to really be able to compete at the same level. Um, interestingly enough, Freiburg are third from bottom on that table, which is a real testament to what a genius Christian strike is. I just thought I'd get that in there. But I think a lot of it comes down to it does just come down to this. I think they had they've had a good start to the season. Uh, Union they 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 pretty much almost um, confirmed their place next season. But I, I think that mixed with the big break and, and the coronavirus issues has just uh, not not ha- helped them out really. But they've had some tough matches as well in the in since the resumption. So I think that they will still hope that they can um, get enough points to just guarantee staying up. So as it stands at the minute, they're four points clear of 16th, which is the relegation playoff place. Um, the good news for my Augsburg boys is that Union got beat by so many that Augsburg went up a place in the league on goal Wee. difference. So that, that was helpful. Augsburg beaten again this weekend, unfortunately, went down 2-0 away to Hertha. Um, tight game, actually. I put, put it on about 20-odd minutes in, and the first thing that happened was Hertha scored. So I'll take full responsibility for that. Um Augsburg just don't really seem to carry a goal threat. I was really surprised looking at the top scorer charts that one of their players is actually in it. This guy, Niederlechner, I don't think I've seen him have a shot in all the Augsburg games that I've watched so far. He doesn't seem to pose any threat whatsoever. Yeah, apparently he scored 11 times in the league this season, so that's a bit strange. And if they're going to get away from the, the bottom two slash three, I think he's going to need to find some goals. Um the bottom of the table, though, John, it seems to be really open, apart from probably Paderborn, who we're going to come on to next. Werder Bremen have really put themselves in with a chance of staying up now. Yeah, I think it's uh, going to be a really interesting battle down at the bottom. Um, and I think this is one of the good things about having that relegation spot 
um, as well. It, it it does really uh, make make things more intriguing because um, I think I, I don't know what the stats are on the relegation playoff battle, but it's very very rare that the team in the Zweite Bundesliga will win that game. So you almost you almost have a, a sort of safety net there if you're in 16th place. But um, it's been it's been fascinating seeing some of the teams at the bottom playing well. You've mentioned Werder um, Werder Bremen. They've they've been great since they came back. Um, Dusseldorf as well, I think, have actually played remarkably well. Um, albeit getting hammered the other day. Um, but yeah, there's, I, I reckon there's, I mean, even, even up to maybe Köln, maybe Köln are just enough out, out of that, but Frankfurt are in that, are in that um, battle. And then you've, you've mentioned Augsburg and Union and Mainz as well, who have a real chance of dropping down. So uh, it's actually, despite the fact that Bayern have, have, have all but confirmed their, their championship status, both the Champions League spaces and the relegation spaces are still very much up for grabs. Yeah, I think um, we've seen Paderborn in action on Sunday, Kev. It does seem like they're going to be cut off at the bottom. Six points adrift of Verda now. So nine points adrift of Mines, who are the last safe team. Um, and defensively against Dortmund, they just seem to to go to pot eventually. They played quite well for the first half and then just started falling apart. Yeah, we've talked about this before that it seems like once teams go down, then they just capitulate and then the scorelines get kind of ridiculous. That was the case today. I don't know if people were still watching by the last goal, but how do you get a two-on-one in the final minutes of a match when you're already down by many, many goals? Yeah. Why Why are you even trying to score at that point? <laughs> exactly. It just... Like, are you trying to make the scoreline better because you're, like, empirically making it worse? Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Paderborn, first of all, pretty nice kit they had on today. Didn't mind it too much. Um, but, yeah, performance-wise, it, it doesn't look like they're in any kind of shape to work themselves out of the situation that they're in right now. Which is, uh, yeah, just disappointing. It kind of feels like when we started the show, there were a lot of really interesting plot lines. Maybe Powderborn weren't one of them, but the relegation battle, to be sure. And it just kind of feels like all of them are kind of getting resolved. Uh, a little early, but um, obviously there's still some other teams kicking around, like your Augsburg boys that could get dragged back into the thick of it, if you'll uh, pardon the cliche. But yeah, for Potterborn, they, they really didn't put up much of a fight at all. I mean, in the first half, I guess it wasn't too bad, but once it started getting bad, it got real bad and fast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. I wonder if this is part of the knock-on of being behind closed doors, that teams don't seem to have that resolve. They can't draw on the energy of the crowd. And yeah. once you've got a mismatch like this anyway, Paderborn had done really well to go into half-time at 0-0. 
but as soon as Dortmund started to sort of flex their muscle, it, it became extremely one-sided. Um, one player who stood out in this one, Jim, was Jaden Sancho. We talked about being disappointed in the Classica. Not really hit top form since the restart. It was obviously trying to get fully fit after the injury. Um, but it looks like he's found some form now. 17 goals for the season. Yeah, he. Um, I think it's probably fair to say today was the first time he'd looked anything close to fully fit since the season resumed. He's kind of been a bit part player and a cameo um, appearance for, for Dortmund um, since since the season resumed. And today he just looked like the Jaden Sancho that everyone believes is the next big thing in terms of a, a, a player moving back to the Premier League. Um, and, he, you know, Hazard may have started the scoring, but Sancho then just kind of took over. Um, as you say, the last goal, the the sixth goal um, for Dortmund was just, he was just clearing away. There was no one actually going to stop him. And as long as he could beat the keeper in a one-on-one, which the keeper's not especially motivated to try and keep that ball out at 5-1 anyway, um, then he's away. But yeah, I think he just, he showed today, as we record, the kind of promise that people would be, would have been expecting tuning into the Bundesliga um, as beginners, as we are, the majority of us. Um, uh, he would have been the first name on a lot of people's lists to look for uh, when tuning into a Bundesliga game. So, yeah, I, you know, it's obviously great to see him um, kick on and show some of that uh, promise. And it just remains to be seen whether that's enough to then facilitate a, a move um, in the summer. But he, you know, he, he looks, he looks unbelievable today. Again, you have to benchmark that against the, the team that Dortmund were playing, but you can only beat what's in front of you and going out and netting a hat-trick um, in any top-flight game, you know, it has to be applauded. So he um, he's absolutely flying for now and it'll just be interesting to see whether he can kick on and whether he's... I've, I mean, he certainly looked fully over his injury um, doubts, so as long as he stays fit for the rest of the season, there could be plenty more goals coming his way because Dortmund have got some... Tough games, but also some very, very winnable games as well. They've got Fortuna in a couple of weeks um, away, and that could be another big scoreline based on what we've seen this weekend for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think after the Classica, we all assume that the title race is done. Seven-point gap still after the weekend and only a handful of games to go. Um, but John Dortmund need to prove that they're going to be the main challengers. And what really impressed me again this weekend was the way that the fullbacks get forward. Hakimi scored again. That's a couple for him since the restart and even Marcel Schmelzer, the club legend came off the bench and got on the score sheet right at the end. What a moment that was to him. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were maybe unduly harsh on Dortmund after the Classica because the, there was sort of this expectation that, well, you know, you had this chance to, to win the league and you didn't really take it. But for me, I always think that Dortmund's, Dortmund's downfall is that they don't win the games that they should be winning. And this is a game that they've not won in the past. And um, I mean, it was it was a tight game for a long for a long stretch of time. So I think just seeing them sort of power away at the end was was quite important. And I think that's what they need to become. They need to become that team who who are going to get the job done against teams like Paderborn, where maybe the pressure's off a little bit because you expect to win. Um, and it, yeah, it's th- these are the sorts of games that they need to just sort of take by the scruff, scruff of the neck and sort them out and get them done. Um, and as we saw, once the that Paderborn had been broken and the, and the, that third get goal went in um, after the penalty um, they, they sort of folded and that's the, the sort of situations they need to be getting into I think and a similar sort of story in the, the Bayern game earlier in the weekend extending their winning streak 5-0 at home to Fortuna 
um, Kev, another couple of goals for Robert Lewandowski. Um, but what stood out for me about this Bayern team was just how ruthless they were. Even at 4-0, they were still pressing ferociously, forcing mistakes from the Fortuna defence and just trying to score as many goals as possible. There's no mercy at all in this team. Yeah, it's it's probably the reason why they do win every match that they're supposed to, kind of in converse to what John was just saying about uh, Borussia Dortmund, is there is just a lethality to them uh, when they really get going. Um, <laughs> actually, I had a thought about this. Uh, and I was like, should I bring it up? Uh, but <laughs> I realized that when there's that kind of lopsided matchup in the Premier League or even that kind of lopsided scoreline, as somebody that used to cover fantasy, there's at least that like small bit of joy watching a team that you don't like just pummel a random team like, I don't know, Watford or something like that. And you're like, well, you know, at least my captain Salah got two goals or something like that. And I realized that without that aspect, it really does just feel like the meme that you put out of like, they're already dead. Like, stop. This isn't benefiting anyone. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Bayern are just so, so good when they really get flowing. I was really impressed by Pavard. I know that he has had a pretty good um, time since moving to Bayern Munich, but uh, obviously, the, the goals don't hurt either, but just a, a very, very good player. But again, we've talked about this before. That's kind of the difference is that Bayern have a good player at literally every position and have depth at most of them. So unsurprising that they're able to just put teams to the sword like this when they're really in their flow. This seems to be almost at the, the probably the best I've seen them since the resumption in this game. The third goal, I think it was, where... Um, was that like the double the right. back heel? Yeah, Kimmich got down the right yeah. back heel there and then Muller sort of squared it for Lewandowski to finish. That was an outstanding goal. I don't think many teams could have stopped that. Um, Jim, like Kev says, obviously a big golfing class between these two teams, but unstoppable certainly in the Bundesliga. And it makes you wonder if the treble could be on this season. Well, yeah, obviously we're, we're still waiting to hear exactly what's going to be going on with the um, the Champions League in terms of that resuming because of the complexities of international travel and how that might affect the competition. But they seem to be gearing up to finishing the season on a real high, obviously pulling away at the top of the, the league after beating Dortmund in midweek. And like you said, they were just ruthless. And to be fair... Dusseldorf didn't help themselves. There was some comical defending going on. I mean, trying to play the ball out at the back when you're already 5-0 down nearly cost them a sixth goal. Um, Like, that was only 15 minutes into the second half. Like, actually, and I think the Alfonso Davis, the, the fifth goal itself, was a perfect kind of encapsulation of just that just suicidal kind of defending. They just didn't want to clear their lines. They seemed absolutely set on passing the ball out but that just involves more often than not just trying to boot the ball away but not really doing a good enough job of it and when you've got players like Alfonso Davis who can just muscle their way past you as he was doing um, on the edge of the area beat two men and then just slides it past the keeper it's just it must be super demoralizing I guess for those kind of teams just to if you're already two or three nil down you know by I don't know half time as as Dusseldorf were um, on Saturday night, then they're just in, they know that they're just in for a really really hard second half, and that that can't be much fun. But it just shows, as you say, the the difference in class there and how good of a machine Bayern are. And you wouldn't want to back against them, particularly because I guess the Bundesliga getting going early might actually mean that they're in much better shape by the time the Champions League comes back because yeah. of the fact they've they've started earlier, they've got themselves up into a decent rhythm. And actually, with the staggered starts that we're seeing, obviously, Syria, 
La Liga and the Premier League all confirming June restarts, depending on when the Champions League games get brought back in, you might still be in a bit of a pre-season mode by, you know, you might only be a few games in by the time the Champions League starts to come around. And then Bayern are suddenly coming into it with, um, you know, the wind in their sails and really kind of finely tuned as a team. And you'd, you'd struggle to back against them on that basis because they're just such a, a winning machine domestically. But if they can convert that with the added benefit of being much, much more equipped from a fitness perspective and from a discipline perspective, having racked up loads of wins in the league, then they're, they're, they're going to be a tough team to beat in Europe. They're already a tough team to beat anyway. They're yeah, regularly they in and around this. So yeah, they're already there every season, aren't they? It's just that since the, the Pep Guardiola era, they've just always seemed to stumble at the vital moment. But you, given that they're the team that are coming into this with the form and the fine-tuning, you you struggle to back against them, I think, against almost anyone because they just look such such a good unit at the moment. And with Lewandowski firing at will and just their sheer number of options, it's um, it's tough to, to see how they wouldn't go at least close, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm ready for another uh, surprise, John, with a question that he wasn't expecting. Um, yes. So Alfonso Davies, you mes- mentioned him there, Jim. He seems to be quite good. Um, obviously, there was another uh, North American player there quite recently in Christian Pulisic, who's since moved to Chelsea and not really played much since he got there. But I was on a uh, show where we were talking about what might happen to the transfer window, and just arbitrarily it came up, who is the best player from North America right now? In your opinion, having seen both of them somewhat recently, do you think it's more Pulisic or do you think it's already Alfonso Davies? Oh, it's really tough. It's really tough judging um, American players, I think, anyway, because uh, they have a, a huge amount of hope lumped on them early in their careers. And then I think unless they sort of become Lionel Messi immediately, then then the, the interest sort of dies out. Um, I think Alfonso Davies is, is a very, very good player. Um I also think Christian Pulisic is quite a good player as well and perhaps um, has been a a little bit overshadowed, not even overshadowed at Chelsea, I don't think, but has just gone a little bit under the radar. I think there's there's been a few games where he's been quite an important uh, player for Frank Lampard's team in particular. Um, And let's not forget, this is a guy who had, who's got, over 100 games uh, games at, at Dortmund under his belt. It's, he's, he's, he's obviously a brilliant player. And so I think the, when you're trying to determine the answer to this question, you have to sort of balance off the fact that maybe um, Pulisic has, has dropped out of the, the limelight somewhat and, and, and also balance that off with the idea that um, Alfonso Davis is very much in the limelight at the moment. So it's actually, I think it's actually a really, really tough, tough question. I think... Um, <sighs> probably go with davis because i think just looking at him now his ceiling just seems so high um but i i do think that it would be a disservice to just dismiss pulisic out of question just on 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 the basis of 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 how much um there's still to do with the development of alfonso davis got it so alfonso davis is going to be better than messi and christian pulisic is crap got it okay (laughs) (laughs) what i really like about davies is that he's he's kind of forced buying into a major rethink by being so good out of position like it's it's rare that a youngster comes into the team and gets played in a defensive role normally you'd think of the comparison that springs to mind is Gareth Bale, who was a left-back, but then started playing further forward because they wanted to utilise his pace. Um, whereas Davies, obviously, extremely fast. I think he's on record as being the fastest player in Europe this season. Might have made that up. I'm sure I read that this weekend. <laughs> and Bayern have decided to use him further back, where his pace can obviously cover, but he's a massive threat going forward. And, John, that's meant that 
other players have had to play out of position as well. Alaba's played centre-back, Kimmich played centre-back, and this almost reshuffling the team to suit this teenager. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable, really. But I think, I mean, even just moving Alaba back into a, into a central position has has worked out really well because they've they've almost got a playmaker in, in, in centre back. I mean, Alaba's um, has got a great ball ball on him. He can f- fire long crosses and, and balls into channels as well, um, and uh, is is a competent defender as well. And I think as well, when you are buying, you your centre backs are going to be doing less work naturally than than necessarily. Um, other centre backs at other teams, uh, and so again, it's just it just seems like another example of Hansi Flick making a, an intelligent switch, making it work for the team, and and yeah, I, I think it's in the in the long run it's, it's worked out. But yeah, you are right; it's a huge amount of uh, pressure being put onto a youngster's shoulders, but he seems to be rising to that pressure really well. Yeah, he's coping with it extraordinarily well, um, and I think the the next section of the let's test John's knowledge quiz um kev you had a question about newcomer perceptions yes obviously we've come to this uh bundesliga season late <laughs> just finishing out kind of the tail end of the season uh since the restart and i was just wondering what common misconceptions we might have so like for example we all think schalke are terrible and david wagner might not know what football is or we might think uh for example that kai havertz might be the best player in the entire world the very hot takes perhaps but it would be somewhat understandable for people that would have started right at the restart to come away with those kind of takeaways what do you think is is kind of furthest from the truth that people might think is true based on what's happened since the restart yeah i've, I've spent a, a couple of minutes this afternoon thinking about this because um i guess you guys are the best sort of test subjects for this so there's just a few just a few little questions that i had uh, that i thought i would uh, throw at you so oh, one of them the tables turning it Wait, around oh, yeah. oh we like have to pass a quiz now. oh i don't no. like this at all well it's not really a quiz it's a survey <laughs> not more than I've anything any homework. So. <laughs> <laughs> well i guess my, my, i'm interested to hear after bayern and dortmund who you think are the biggest club in the Bundesliga. Leverkusen. You can interpret that as you want. Easy. <laughs> Leverkusen. Okay. Um, any I, others? I'd say Schalke, I think. I think the fact there's been so much narrative around how bad they are suggests to me that they should be doing an awful lot better than they are. Mm-hmm. Jim? Are you... I mean, yeah, I think you can tell from the um, general apathy around Schalke's kind of performances that it's so frustrating to so many people because they aren't being better. And I guess that kind of comes from the fact that they did well earlier in the season as well, as we've talked about previously, and then just have dropped away spectacularly. But I mean, surely Bayern are still the biggest team, right? They're just, they're the winning machine, certainly recently. I guess that's recency bias creeping in because I know that they've not always been the best team in Germany, but they're they're the marketing machine. They're the guys with the most money and they just seem to make it pay unlike some teams in in the Premier League where they seem to misappropriate their financial power and not actually perform at the best level consistently. Yeah, so so Schalke are the th- are generally seen as being the third biggest um, yes. club in the Bundesliga. So, so well done. Um, but like that's that's both in terms of, of fans and also fan club members. Um, and they're well up there with with both Bayern and Dortmund in terms of their revenue as well. I mean, Bayern are leaps and bounds ahead of uh, of everyone else, but um, Schalke are the next big one. But I, I just wondered whether or not people necessarily thought about that. Another thing I thought was, we've not really talked much about RB Leipzig. Um, and I don't think a lot of newcomers will realise just how disliked RB Leipzig are in, in the Bundesliga 
because um, they are owned by Red Bull and Red Bull do a huge amount of uh, wangling to try and get around the rules regarding uh, the 50 plus one rules. So uh, ownership rules and, and getting money did into they get around that them. to put you back on the spot after you put us <laughs> on the spot after we put you on the spot. I'm dizzy from all these tables being turned here. I'm... <laughs> I'm the turntables. <laughs> so the rule the rule states that you the 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 ruling shares basically have to be owned by the by the uh, fans or members of the club. So uh, fifty plus one rule states that fifty percent of the of the shares have to be owned by the fans plus one share. So technically, the the fans should always uh, govern that. And the way that that's um, usually determined is by membership. So you pay uh, some some sort of membership fee, um, and you become a member, and then you have a say in the club. Now RB Leipzig, the last time I checked, had something like seven or eight members, um, and they're all um in the uh, they're all in the red bull um hierarchy somewhere they pay well a huge amount of money to be members and so essentially what they've done is they they still have their membership owning the um the the majority share in the club but there's only seven people and they're all red bull employees i i believe and they're also um you have to spend so much money that no one else joins to be a member and so they they've basically got around the rules that way that is insane just the way they're able to ring fence their superiority from a, you know, I guess part of the reason, you know, picking up on John's point about realizing whether just how hated they are. I think it's just a cultural difference because we're so used to teams in England being taken over routinely by some people that are good, some people that are not so good. And being celebrated, um, like right now. With and Newcastle. yeah, exactly, exactly that. I think because people people seem to just care about the end result and actually if you look at like the Newcastle situation at the moment with the potential Saudi takeover granted the fans shouldn't be the moral arbiters of who takes over a club but also that because it's such a common occurrence that all kinds of people you know from a very very wealthy background take over a club sometimes to the benefit of that club sometimes not it doesn't it it we don't seem as I bothered about it i guess not bothered maybe that's the wrong term but like they just don't seem as outraged because of the fact that there's not this scheme set up to prevent it it sounds like red bull have just done everything in their power to circumvent the rules and managed somehow to get away with it is there not like a a bundesliga kind of from a premier you know a fit and proper person's test from a german perspective that would stop them just ring fencing those shares john and just obviously i mean it, it sounds really really obvious if you can explain it to us like that in a couple of minutes and it sounds like it's sticks out like a sore thumb in the german kind of way have they not raised was it not raised at the time of how they were doing it or is it just kind of like money talks in the end and they just managed to push it through also to be fair yeah, there was... proper persons hasn't really worked in england. <laughs> i mean yeah in england it's not worth the paper it's written on let's be honest you just have but... to be a person like yeah. all fit and proper yeah yeah i think that so it basically comes down to the fact that um they thought that 50 plus one would work um, because it just sounds like you, you're never going to have any problems because you're always going to have a fan-owned uh, club. And and obviously part of the reason, I think, why um, so much of this is, so much of the, the German um, fan base is hate um, RB Leipzig is precisely because of this, because it's just such a f- f- flagrant um, breaking of, of the 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 uh, spirit of the rules that and they've they've got away with it. But the, I don't whether or not the 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 league have, have ever really pushed them to stop doing what they're doing is is another matter entirely. But um, they, there certainly was a, um, for a while a lot of uh, wrangling about whether or not any rules had been broken. And uh, the DFL came out and said um, they're not breaking any rules, so there's not really anything we can do about it. And, and that was the long and short of it. 
Fair I wonder enough. if they just found a way around it. I wonder if the difference is going back to what Jim was saying about takeovers is in England it tends to be big clubs already that then get bigger. Whereas in Germany we've seen Red Bull come in at Leipzig and the chap at Hoffenheim and take clubs that were basically nothing or very new clubs and somersault them up the leagues incredibly quickly, get them into the Champions League and stuff. You think that's maybe the difference that fans of clubs that have done things the inverted comma right way resent that sheer money's been able to send these teams into the elite, sort of taking the shortcut. Yeah, I think that's 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 true, and um, I've I've been really interested actually with with all the coronavirus stuff coming out to to see sort of how German football survived because it just seemed to me that so many German clubs were in such a good position because of the fifty plus one rule that that they might have have a bit of a heads up uh, in that regard. But it's apparently thirteen of the uh, of the clubs I think in the in the Bundesliga were were saying that they were very very close to to failing, and so yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing because I'm I'm someone who just tends towards uh, the idea that a fan-owned model of football club ownership is a good one. Um, but I, I, it's just so it's so much complexified by the fact that the Bundesliga doesn't exist as a microcosm. You know, there's the Bayern want to get rid of the 50 plus one rule now because um, if, if the 50 plus one rule is there, it, it holds them back with respect to Europe. They've, they've been very... Um, savvy i think in many respects doing the right the right thing in terms of being able to develop their brand and um uli hernes um very early on sort of marketed them really well and got got them into a position where they could compete in europe but they because no one can really invest in them in the same way that they can elsewhere in uh, european football just um, miles behind and so they want to get rid of the rule so the 50 plus one rule i find funny because it sort of it protected Bayern from ever being caught up by other uh, clubs um, but now it's got to a point where they're not competing against other clubs in the Bundesliga. They're competing against other clubs in Europe. So, uh, yeah, it's a really it's a really fascinating aspect of, uh, of of German football that just doesn't really get covered very much. It will be interesting to see how that plays out in the, the months and years to come. Then, with the impacts of coronavirus on on the financial situation, will Bayern continue to be as far ahead of the pack? Um, with that then, I think we'll move on to the last part of the show, which is going to be previewing upcoming games. We're recording this on Sunday, so Leipzig do play Monday. We'll have to talk about that on the next show. And there's a midweek game as well, Werder Bremen against Eintracht Frankfurt. So that's a big game at the bottom. We'll touch on that in the next show as well. Um, but Kev, it's your boys against Bayern at the weekend. And if you want to get in the Champions League, this is the sort of game where you're going to need to get a result. Yeah, I know I said all those positive things about Bayern earlier, but I don't see how they stand a chance in this one. You know, they're going to be tired from all their <laughs> winning, and uh, maybe they just won't be able to, to show up in a meaningful way uh, off of the back of what was an incredibly middling performance from Leverkusen. But they were they were just they were just luring Bayern in. Look, you're you're in such great form. Oh, look, we, we're in terrible form. We lost midweek, and we just squeaked a win against Freiburg. We've got them right where we want them. Um, but uh, perhaps a little bit more seriously, yeah. Obviously, it's it's of uh, concern to have to play Bayern this late in the game, especially as you say with the Champions League spots as tight as they are. Um, we've already mentioned Rosenball Sport Leipzig, which uh, fortunately John informed us Not doesn't even mean Leipzig. anything. <laughs> um, and then obviously Jim's boys are uh, ahead of us on goal difference. Oh, is goal difference the decider in the Bundesliga? Yeah, but I, I think genuinely so, yeah. don't oh, wow. know. I just assumed because uh, that's what 
That's what it's looking. We've not at needed to know that for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, but I know I know some leagues don't don't play that game. So mm, who knows? Beginners. Um, but anyway, yeah. With with uh, level one points with Motion Gladbach, one point ahead of Leipzig. Although Leipzig still have their game in hand. Uh, yeah, this is kind of one that Leverkusen have to win, and since it's against Bayern, that's not typically uh, what you'd think. Uh, you know what? Let's just keep annoying John. Uh, do fans in general <laughs> want anyone to beat Bayern, even if it hurts their cause, or are they more pragmatic and like, Bayern beat us all the time, so they have to at least beat everyone else? Before I answer that, I've uh, just quickly searched. Apparently, the the tiebreakers are applied in the following order. Goal difference for the entire season, total goals scored for the entire season, and then head-to-head results, total points. Um, As for what other clubs, fan bases feel about Bayern, I'm probably not the best person to ask. I'm not entirely sure what the the case is um, in Germany itself. But one thing that I have noticed, actually, is that there does seem to be a sort of weird deference to Bayern, particularly in, in the German media, because I think for them... Bayern and Munich is the is the sort of connection to the rest of European football, and they and I think they put a, a huge amount of um, uh, trust in Bayern to to actually um, make well perform well enough to to be able to um, give a good account of German football in uh, on the European stage. So that I think there is this sort of deference in in uh, amongst uh, a lot of the German media, um, especially uh, Germans who I think um, are fans of other clubs. So I wonder whether or not that's a general um, phenomenon that you see uh, around uh, German football. Got to well, answer your question satisfactorily. <laughs> it it did, and uh, I'm I'm still I'm still going Leverkusen despite all evidence uh, that you could throw at me. So I'm 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 gonna go. Oh man, how many goals would they have to score to outscore Bayern? Uh, three, two. <laughs> well, eight, seven, I think. I suppose the key <laughs> question for this is are you going to show your face on the pod next time? Because if you're not, then you probably lose. And if you are, <laughs> then, then you're probably going to win. That's a good point. Well, I think the key is actually watching the match, um, which I wasn't <laughs> able to do midweek. So if I watch, we win three for three. And we're going for four for four against Bayern this week. <laughs> okay, um, so Eichberg are the last game on Sunday at home to Köln. Köln, still working out how to say that in a Germanified way. Two teams next to each other-ish in the table, both just above the relegation zone, and both in pretty shoddy form since the restart. Eichberg only won one against Schalke, which we've established doesn't really count because everyone beat Schalke now. And Köln, Köln, Köln haven't beaten anyone since the restart so yeah that one should be fun um, but the weekend's action starts with another intrapod derby and interestingly um because jim picked gladback because of the flow chart and complicated reasons we've been using john as a sort of freiburg fan but on the first show john said he followed sort of both clubs so have we pushed you into freiburg fandom further yeah interesting actually um it's just something that I've noticed recently that I actually care more about Freiburg games than Gladbach games, which I don't really understand because it's never been a better time to be a Gladbach fan, really. They've got a great coach. They've got a great assistant manager. They're playing fun football. They've got a, an incredible team with exciting young players who they've picked up from around Europe. Um, and, and this Freiburg, is the time you've decided to deserve them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Freiburg play like Burnley. So, yeah. <laughs> well, if there's any explanation, I don't know. Who wouldn't want to support a team that plays like Burnley? So no split loyalties for this one. Will it be Freiburg that you're cheering on? 
Yeah, I think I'm I'm wanting Freiburg to to win this one, but I um yeah, Gladbach are playing um exceptionally well at the moment. Um it could be an interesting one. I think Freiburg again we're going to play hard to break down. Um and it, again it'll just depend on uh, on on the day what happens, but um I would say that Gladbach uh, that the way they play is sort of very positionally um motivated, so they will be very good at uh, at stretching the the structure of Freiburg. So um I I suspect Gladbach will win probably 2-0. Well, you, you're on record now, so if you try and roll back and disown Freiburg at any point, we'll just have to dig up this recording. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, what do you expect about this one? Obviously, very impressed by Gladbach this weekend, but they have shown that they can be a little bit inconsistent. Yeah, I don't think, to John's point, I don't think Gladbach are keeping a clean sheet. I find that very, very difficult to believe based on <laughs> their, their recent exploits. So I do think they'll be probably a little bit too much especially with the lack of home advantage which we've spoken about that being a little bit more of a leveler behind closed doors um it is certainly not the advantage that it once was i think that's pretty clear now um albeit the degree to which it's affected is is still up for debate um i think the corresponding fixture earlier on in the season was 4-2 to gladback so that sounds kind of Gladbach-esque, I guess, high-scoring game where they, they don't keep a clean sheet. Um, so let's go 3-1 for, for Gladbach on Friday night to kick things off. Certainly going to be one of the most exciting games of the weekend, hopefully. Um, I think we're coming towards the end of the show now. So, Kev, to celebrate your triumphant return, if you want to tell everyone how to subscribe, etc., because I don't think I did a very good job on that show. <laughs> you did fine. Uh, yeah, Acast, Spotify, iTunes, go find us, follow us, or subscribe to us. Uh, you said that by Googling us, you can uh, find us pretty easily, but I realized that the the handle is Bundesliga Pod, and when we shoot it out, the prefix is B4B, so I don't even know if searching Bundesliga for beginners will find you on the show. That sounds like a thing I need to sort out. Um, but anyway, yeah, follow us on all those things, and of course, uh, EPL Roundtable and EPL Index uh, from whence this show is delivered. Yeah, and you can get the podcast on Twitter as well, at Bundesliga Pod. Please do get in touch with any questions, comments, feedback, etc. We're still quite new to this, we're only a few episodes in. And we are winging it to an extent. So any ideas as to how we can make things better, please don't be afraid to tell us. No offence will be taken whatsoever. You can also get us individually on Twitter. I'm at Jamie Smith Sports. Kev is at Kevrov. Jim is Jim Knight Tweets. And John is John underscore McKenzie. Normally we try and do a midweek show, but looking at the fixtures of the game on Wednesday and it's going to be tricky to get things in. So we've previewed the, the big games from the weekend on the end of this show. Hopefully you can wait a week for the next one. We'll try and record Sunday and that should be out within a few hours of the match week ending. So yeah, don't be too upset about that. I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, that's our show. This has been Bundles League for Beginners. I've been Jamie Smith and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.